Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Avedisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com. Hello everyone, I'm Ani Mad Shaman Avedisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly and contemplate the wonder of cosmic co-creation. And a hearty hello to everybody out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining me for yet another round of lovely cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini. The show that tries to sort out what's true, dun, 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 what's woo, dun, 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 and what gets flushed down the loo. In today's, do people have the gumption to move away from decades of corruption? How loudly must we ring the bell of the Clinton-Biden crime cartel? I think we're getting close to the grid going down while we restore America from poor town to boom town. Why haven't we had the fake alien invasion yet? I was looking forward to becoming a space cadet. Oh, what a piffling, quibbling, but slowly pivoting strange little world we live in. As always, my darlings, we try to do this with as much dignity and decorum as can be mustered on any given day. And as always, we are rarely successful, but we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love the odd shot now and then. Yes, we do. In fact, I'll take a sip of today's carefully crafted cocktail just to see if it's good enough to share with you, the people. Let me do that right now. Mm. Ooh, not bad at all, if I say so. Mm, yummy, yummy. So that's a good cocktail. So on with the show. Welcome back to all the martini heads who listen in regularly. I love you all. Mwah, mwah, mwah. And if you are joining us for the first time, a warm welcome to you. Be advised, this show is not politically correct because we don't want to erode the intellect. There's far too much of that sort of thing going around. And we would like it all to go away, please. Go away. Bye-bye. On today's show, we have quack, questions, answers, and comments, the cryptic mystic, silly poetry, tarot, a go-go, and of course, my favorite part, the cocktail of the day. So let's get on with it. But first, my darlings, a word of gratitude and praise for our sponsor, Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon, Washington. Dedicated to exploring both the known and the unknown, then helping provide the products and tools to expand your reach. Mystical Wares has a large varied selection of all items metaphysical and is a veritable paradise for those who seek enlightenment over entitlement and for those who know the difference between propaganda and ashwagandha. 
mysticalwares.com, guaranteed to stimulate your metaphysical mojo. All right, let's get on with it, shall we? Questions, answers, and comments, always the meat of our show. If you would like to share the contents of your fabulous minds on this intergalactically acclaimed show, send us your emails to, well, to me, really, Arnie at ArnieAberdistian.com. If you prefer snail mail, get a little postcard out and send it to Cosmic Arnie, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, Oregon, 97070, America the Beautiful. And don't forget to let me know if and how you wish to be identified, or I shall either make up a silly name for you, or I will refer to you as omit personal details. All right, let's shake up the fishbowl of perpetual perplexity and see what pops out. Shaky, 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 shaky. Our first encounter with the great unwashed is with Richard. And Richard was born in Seattle. Oh, never mind, Richard. <laughs> it will get better. But, oh, it has got better because now he lives in Bamberg, which is in Germany. And Richard says, Dear Mad Shaman, I want to give your listeners some advice. Okay, Richard, go for it. Patience is a virtue. It teaches us to accept the twists and turns on our journey instead of running blinkered on a straight path, come what may. Patience, continues Richard, opens our hearts to the surprises of the present moment. I recently read a book titled Don't Sweat the Small Stuff by another Richard, Richard Carlson, and it has helped me reevaluate, reevaluate my attitude to life, the universe, and everything. I hope your listeners find this information useful. Well, thank you, Richard from Bamberg. I know that book. It's a good little book and worthy of space on our bookshelves. In fact, if you're looking for stocking stuffers, I think it's small enough to stuff into a medium-sized stocking. So go for it. Right, what else do we have? What else do we have? I do like it when people, I mean, people mainly have questions, but once in a while they just have a comment and sometimes a rant. You can write into the show with any of your metaphysical and spiritual concerns. I mean, somebody actually sent me a recipe for English Christmas pudding the other day, um, which I'm going to use. Mm. All right, what else is in the fishbowl? This is from Joanna, who lives in Merced, California. <laughs> I've been to Merced. The less said about that, the better. Okay, and Joanna says, Dear Arnie, does feng shui work for non-Asians? I don't really want Tibetan flags in my garden or bits of red cloth tied to my air conditioning unit. Fascinating question, Joanna, and, and thank you for writing in. Um, I once had someone ask me if acupuncture worked for non-Asians, so I'll give you the same answer as I gave them. Yes, feng shui, as does acupuncture, works for any ethnicity. With regard to Tibetan flags and pieces of red cloth, Symbolism is generally culture specific, so use your culture's version of whatever is suggested. Uh, easier said than done. Let me give you an example from my own experience. Many moons ago, when I worked in a very different environment, 
I was promoted over a team of people, all of whom were older than me and all of whom were male. And since this was, what, 35 plus years ago or so, there was quite a bit of resentment and a bit of pushback. Feng Shui suggested putting a rooster on my desk to peck away at my enemies. But I did not want my newly inherited team to regard me as an adversary. So after some prayerful contemplation, I came up with an alternative to the pecking rooster. So this was in the UK, I should just add. So I bought a large ceramic smiling English bulldog. And somehow this endeared me to the men. And they started bringing the bulldog, whose name was uh, Mr. Peter Puppington. They started bringing Mr. Peter Puppington snacks. So it's such a simple solution. Because of Mr. Puppington, the mood went from resentment to engagement. And in time, I was invited to watch their Sunday cricket matches, which I must say was a mixed blessing because cricket, it just goes on and on for hours and sometimes days. And as far as I can tell, nothing much happens and not even the pigeons leave the field when exciting things happen in cricket. But my workplace was joyous and productive. So Joanna, there are thousands of Western feng shui practitioners out there who can help you make that cultural change. Use the principles of feng shui and adapt as necessary. So thank you for that. All right, what else do we have? Uh, questions, questions, let's see. Let's just stick our hand in there and pick something. This is from Pippa, Pippa in Bath. Um, Bath is in the UK. This is Pippa having a bath in the UK who asks, when I pray for someone with whom I no longer have contact, how will I know if my prayer worked? Jolly good question, Pippa from Bath. Um, well, darling, you might never know. What's important, I think, is that you know your prayer was heard and is now active in the divine stream of consciousness. Prayer is greatly misunderstood, isn't it? A greater part of prayer is trust. And that teaches us not to have uh, an ego-driven investment in the outcome. After all, we must accept the divine's vantage point is going to be higher than ours. I believe the common mistake people make with prayer is dictating to God exactly what they think should happen in any given situation. You know, for example, Hello, God, uh, please cure little Timmy's cancer or please make so and so refrain from aggressive behavior or blah, blah, blah. It's like, hello, God, here's my problem. And I'm going to tell you exactly because you've got and what would you know exactly how you're going to sort it out. Um, I think we can safely assume that God sees all and God knows all and knows the situation. God knows what is in our hearts. Um, and the vibration point from which we offered up the prayer. In all situations, I prefer to pray for the person's highest good and their releasement from fear. 
We don't know people's soul contracts. We don't know their pre-birth agreements. And all of that does come into play. We don't know if little Timmy's time on earth is up according to his contract. Because let's remember, unless we have a spaceship, <laughs> there is only one other way to leave this planet, and that's through heaven. And you've got to sort of die to get there. Um, and there are many ways to get there. Uh, you know, there's many ways to die. You could have a terminal illness. That's a very popular choice these days. But unless you can scoot off in your little spaceship, darling, you know, something's going to happen. You have to pick an illness or you have to walk in front of a bus, something. I could talk about this for hours because prayer is my favorite subject, but I think I probably bore everyone to death. Um, let me give you an idea. There is a little booklet that will help you with this. And it really is a booklet. What is it? Two, three bucks, something like that. It's called The Golden Key to Prayer. And it is available from Unity School of Christianity and probably many other outlets. Though, please note, this is not specifically a Christian protocol. <clears throat> it's much older than that. But I like the way Unity explains it. And I've lost count of how many times I've recommended this tiny gem of a book to those who don't quite understand how prayer works. Because when you pray, you've got to give it to God and you've got to let go and allow God to sort out all of the details, the divine stream of consciousness. Pray for people's releasement from fear and pray for their highest good because their highest good is ultimately the highest good for all mankind. So thank you for that. And onwards uh, we go. Yeah, that little booklet's also another good stocking stuffer. I don't know why I keep thinking about Christmas today, probably because it's freezing in the Pacific Northwest today and it's hailing and snowing and we're having very strange weather. So whoever is controlling the weather computer up there, stop it, please. It's very cold. Right, let's shake up that fishbowl again and let's see what we can do. <clears throat> I'm a little dry today. Let me have a little drinky poo. I always feel better after a drinky poo. Mm. Oh, yummo. That's not bad at all. Mm. A bit fizzy though. I hope I don't burp. All right. This is from Tula, T O U L A. Um, she doesn't say where she's from, but I believe Tula is a Greek name. Um, and she says, Oni, have, uh, having listened to all of your podcasts, uh, some are better than others, but you mostly get an A. Oh, Dula, Gogonamu, Efkaristovoli. Anyway, Dula's question is this. Oni, you often say never engage with or have a conversation with a demon because you will lose. Why is that? Why is it a given we will lose? There are many levels of demon. Hmm. Yes, okay, I'm not going to read the rest of this uh, letter because she's going on about all the stuff that I go on about, and that's boring too. But you are right, Dula. Dulamu, darling, there are many levels of demon. The ones I refer to are the ancient beings with a high level of intelligence. These were created in antiquity when genetic material was relatively new. So these beings, they've watched the universe and its inhabitants evolve over millennia, 
And as such, their knowledge, their level, their level of awareness, um, their ability to mimic, manipulate, to instill fear is unmatched by any humanoid I've come across. Dula, would you engage in conversation with a very clever sociopath whose only goal was to disturb, humiliate, and mock you? I suspect not. And that's how we should deal with entities such as these high-level demons, as in don't, don't deal with them at all. As a general rule, do not engage unless you have Archangel Michael and his forces of light by your side. And even then, ha-ha, Dula, how would you know if it really was Big Mike and the team? High-level demons, they are as clever as sociopaths. They are masters of mind manipulation. If you're ever in a position where you feel someone has been taken over by something like this, or even if you're in a dream and you feel that you're talking to something of, oh God, very high dark value, disengage, get back into your body, get up, wash your hands, wash your face, have some water, clear your room and go back to bed. Don't put yourself in a position where you are knocking heads with ancient dark beings. Right now in the world, we all know we're doing Lucifer versus God kind of stuff. There's an equal amount of dark and light pouring through. The light is winning. So just hang in there and don't get involved with demons. Thank you, Dula. Let's take another question. Why not? What else are we going to do? I mean, we're here, aren't we? Right. This is from, um, I don't have permission, so this is from Omit Personal Details. And Omit asks, in one of your classes, you recited a prayer you had adapted from St. Patrick's breastplate. I forgot most of it. Would you repeat it for me, please? It gave me great comfort. I will. I will happily repeat this for you. Um, there are many variations of this particular prayer, and this one just happens to be mine. God beneath me, God above me, God to my left, God to my right, God before me, God behind me, God within me, God all around me, God in the words of all who speak my name, God in the minds of all who think of me, God in the hearts of all the souls I meet, God is the love through which I experience this and every moment. Whenever you feel anxious or panicked, that is a lovely comfort prayer. I suggest people print it out and, you know, on a little card and laminate it and carry it around with you. Thank you, Omit, for that. And I think we have time for one or two more quick questions before we get on with the show. I have received a lot of flack lately from some of my listeners because I keep omitting the tarot a go-go. Some people could care less about the tarot, but some people are really into it. So today, come what may, I am going to get through the questions and we are going to do tarot a go-go. All right. So let's pick this one because it's in my hand. 
So let's do it. This is from Danielle. And Danielle says, Ari, I despair for the people who have no idea what is going on in the world. How will they deal with it when the great deception is exposed and broadcast globally? Brains will explode. I think people will literally get sick and die when they realize the extent of the evil. People are struggling with the extent of the evil. I struggle with the extent of the evil, and I've been immersed in this BS my entire life. Um, Danielle, my sweet love, it will be what it will be. There will be millions of migraines and perhaps some slashed veins. But on the other side of this, the bullshit will be out in the open for all to smell. And on the other side of this, we will begin the process of building a society. Make whatever you wish from that word society. But we will build a community of right-minded, spirit-centered people. And by right-minded, I'm not, you know, talking about politics or wings, you know, left or right wings. I'm talking about getting rid of the levels of insanity that we are currently experiencing on this planet. That's what right-minded means. Divinely aligned, cosmically aligned, letting the spirit inhabit the human so that the Holy Spirit is guiding the whole of the human experience. That's when we go from tragic to magic. So Danielle, my love, I would also say, don't take on the pain. I feel, you know, you might be taking on a little bit of other people's pain. And somehow in an ass backwards way, we are trained to do that, aren't we? Ooh, people are suffering. Let's get down to their level because that's that's supposed to be what empathy is. But it's not. That's sympathy. Empathy means you understand what's going on, but you don't buy into it. Because if someone's in pain and then you go down to their level and take their pain and put it in your body, now, you know, there's more pain. So don't take on the pain. Just focus on being the best version of yourself. All of you out there. That's all we need to do right now. Focus on being a better version of ourselves each day than we were the day before. Right now, that's all that matters. But thank you for caring. Thank you for caring. Thank you, everyone who cares about what's going on and hasn't just run away and gone, blah, 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 blah. I can't deal with this. Oh, I'm too feeble-minded. Magnificent souls, that's what we are. We can handle all of it. Yes, hurrah, huzzah. All right, last question of the show. Um, oh, la, 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 la. oh, yeah, all right, fair enough. This is from Rob, who's in Salem, Oregon, just, uh, just down the road from me, actually. And Rob says, I suffer from chronic anxiety. I have tried meditation, but it doesn't work. I have tried prayer, but I don't feel connected enough to God for it to work. I have full-blown anxiety attacks at least twice a day. It takes me forever to fall asleep. And when I wake up, the thoughts just flood my brain. And most mornings, I just wake up crying. I don't have a life. I don't have any life. I don't have a life worth living. I work. I come home. I cry. Without multiple cups of coffee, 
I would not make it through the day. I don't want to take the meds, but I'm at the point where I think I should, even if it turns me into a zombie, and my doctor agrees. <clears throat> Let me have a sip of my drink uh, here, Rob. Hang on. <clears throat> okay. Rob, I'm not going to comment on medication because it's not my department, even though I have my opinions. And if your doctor thinks you're better off as a zombie um, than a human, I advise looking for another doctor. But the biggest clue to your anxiety right now might be in your email. Let's try this before handing our God-given minds over to the medical, chemical, industrial, genocidal complex. First off, eliminate coffee. I mean, switch to half-calf if you need to and then go to decaf, but eliminate coffee. Does your doctor know you drink several cups per day? Next one, get some blood work, a comprehensive wellness panel, and also a complete food sensitivity panel. In my experience, it helps to eliminate a physical cause before we move on to emotional issues. If the body, it, yes, I know what you're all saying, it's in the head first before it's in the body. But if the body is stable, emotions are much easier to manage, aren't they? So let's start there and then note the changes. The medical community, you know, you don't want to color everyone with the same brush, but a community, most of us, it's, it's a community, most of us, let's be honest, we've lost faith in them due to their adherence to this campaign of mass genocide. Um, but, you know, assuming you get a really good doctor who knows his ass from his elbow and isn't afraid to tell you the truth, they'll tell you there's many different types of anxiety. I mean, I can't remember them all, but there's general anxiety disorder, uh, there's agoraphobia, um, there are anxiety disorders connected to specific medical conditions, uh, panic disorders, social anxiety disorders, substance-induced disorders, there's mutism, unidentified anxiety disorder, and paranoia, and probably a whole lot more I'm not aware of. Basically, what I'm saying is let's find the cause of the anxiety and deal with that. Usually, it's something we're eating or drinking that's taking a situation that already makes us anxious and throwing us over the edge. So let's stabilize the body. The other thing I find quite useful is hypnosis. It's a really useful tool. Um, we all have counterproductive beliefs stuck in our subconscious somewhere. And if we don't deal with them, they manifest as anxiety, phobia, addiction, lack of sleep, whatever. And I would say, Rob, we want a permanent solution to this. We, we want to identify what triggers these episodes of anxiety and panic. We need to identify them and learn how to manage them. You know, that's my advice. Hypnosis has helped many people move from victim to victor, so it's worth a shot. 
And you haven't given me a great deal of detail about all the things that you discussed with your doctor. I don't know at what stage you are with him. But if you've exhausted all other possibilities and you still have this anxiety, that's actually rare. So something somewhere is missing. So please look at the body physical, get the blood work, get all of that done and just eliminate all the stuff that's got caffeine in it and anything that you're reactive to, even moderately. Best of luck. And um, you live locally, Rob. So if you don't know a good hypnotist, I know a couple in the area. Drop me a line, drop me an email and I'll, uh, I'll send you their details. All right. And I think that's all from questions, answers and comments for this week. I want to thank everyone um, for writing in and I hope we hear from you again. And remember, no question is too amazing, too sensible or too silly. If I don't know how to answer your question, I just won't pick it or I'll pick somebody else's brain. I really enjoy hearing from you all and thanks for writing in. And now, my darlings, before I get into any more trouble, it's Tarot a go go. Now, what do we have? Where did we leave off last time? Because it's been a while. But I think we are now on the nines. Yes, the nines, nearing the end, the final stage. Nine, it's the end of a cycle for most people, isn't it? In metaphysics, the end of a nine year cycle, but it's also just a time of endings, a time of completion. We're at that point where we're wrapping stuff up at a nine and we're getting ready to move on to something else. So let's pick up the nine of wands and take a look at this bad boy and see what we think of it. Mm. So there's a somewhat handsome gentleman with his shirt off. Well, you know, never hurts, I guess. And he's standing there holding one of the wands, staves if you prefer, uh, and he's got a barrier of the staves behind him. So at first glance, you think, well, he's got this wall of staves behind him and he's holding a stave, so he must be getting ready for battle. But his stance doesn't look particularly aggressive. And, well, anyone could walk through those wands behind him. It's not exactly a barrier, is it? So this is more an emotional thing. So it's not a barrier, therefore it's a boundary. So this card is about boundary issues. Hmm. So he's standing there, kind of relaxed, with his big uh, stick in his hand, and he's got a bit of a bandage around his head. But that looks like an old wound. It doesn't look like a fresh wound to me. I kind of get the impression this chap said, you know what, I've been through the wars. I have. Uh, and I've learned. I've learned from it. I'm a veteran. I've learned. I've learned not to get hit. I've learned not to get hurt. I've set my boundaries. That's what this card is all about. Standing up for yourself, perhaps. You know, um, you know better than to go, you know, go and just join in arguments. You've learnt your lesson to pick your battles. Uh, mm. It's a defensive attitude, but I don't feel he's panicked. This chap, he has a strong constitution. Um, yeah, 
Yeah, he's taking his experiences from prior conflict. A lot of inner strength here. He's on guard. He's cautious. But I don't set, um, I don't feel that threat perception coming through him at all. So when you get this card, it probably is either advising you to take a look at your boundaries, make sure that uh, you're taking good care of yourself and not allowing toxicity into your life. Certainly you've been hurt before because you've got your protective posture right there. On a scale of one to 10, this could just be something along those lines, you know, make better boundaries. But it could also be that you're going to be attacked, not physically, but, you know, maybe a lawsuit, something like that. Maybe someone's challenging your reputation and you're going to have to stand your ground, as it were. Could be that. Um, if it's a reading about health, it bodes well because it says, OK, you might get sick. But you have a strong immune system. You can fight this off. So when we look at that guy. Yeah. He's going to take care of it. I'm not going to say he's outright military. But he knows how to defend himself. You're in a good position to set boundaries if you get this card in the upright position. And just be prepared. Look around you. And make sure that there are no chinks in your spiritual armor, as it were. So let's turn this bad boy upside down and see how we feel. Okay, reversing the card now. Um, we also call that being in the challenged position. Okay. Mm. Well, I don't like it so much now. <laughs> uh, I don't feel that my defenses are adequate. I'm unprepared. I feel, ooh, no, I feel weak. It could be just because I am weak, but I also could be a bit of a coward. Could be any of those things. Again, if it's a health reading, it says my immune system isn't very good. It's not very strong. Maybe I'm stubborn. I don't want to compromise, but that's always a weakness. Not always, but mainly. Something's not quite right when we look at this upside down. I'm refusing to take a stand for whatever reason. There could be many reasons there. Hmm. I would say the first thing that jumps out of my head is I'm off guard. I've been caught off guard. Whatever's going to happen is beyond my ability to cope with it. So, um, hmm. What else came to just an idea came into my head. Um, yeah, but besides the pure poor immune system and everything, this generally seems to come up for people who aren't able to stand up for themselves, who have a very low self-opinion. Um, hmm, let me turn it back up again. I much like it the other way around. <laughs> the nine of wands. Now, of course, with tarot cards, it's not that simple. You can't just pick a card and say it means this. You have to form a relationship with your cards, and it can take many years. But it's a beautiful way of discovering the authentic self. Lots of pretty pictures, and it'll take you through the entire forest of archetypes. 
So that's it for tarot. A go-go today. I managed to get it in. Oh, even got the kazoo in. All right, darlings, I think, if you'll forgive me, it's time for a little brazen business promotion. Visit my website, arniavidician.com, to learn all about the marvelous services on offer and sign up for my monthly message delivered to your inbox on the first Monday of each month. It's short, like me. It's sweet, like me. And like me, it's full of buttery goodness. My monthly cosmic conversations are a series of short entry-level presentations on popular new age subjects designed to stimulate interest and promote awareness, informal, fun, fascinating, and occasionally brilliant. This month, we will discuss the Knights Templar, in May, we will discuss the Khazarian Mafia. In June, we discuss Stoicism, Stoicism, and I'm sure we'll come up with something fantabulous for July. And all of these are by Zoom, so go to the website and sign up because they're brilliant. And something I have not yet posted, I'm about to, but I am very excited about. Starting May the 9th, I will teach a course in miracles via Zoom. So go to the website tomorrow because it won't be up until tomorrow. And on Mondays, uh, two Mondays a month, I think I'm planning, we're going to have open drop-in, drop-out groups, and there will be private tuition available to you at a ridiculously low price. So there, A Course in Miracles. Why do I like The Course in Miracles? Because everything that's contained in the shamanism, you know, with the exception of the incense and the bells and the drums and all that, you know, incense and hocus pocus stuff. All of the core shifts in perception that we need to embrace to become one with the divine, that's all in A Course in Miracles. And if you allow it, if you stick with it, it will take you from mundane to magic. So drop me a line if you're interested. Uh, we'll have it up on the website, uh, I think, tomorrow. Registration is ongoing. Everyone thinks A Course in Miracles takes a year to complete. It does not. It is a one-year course that takes typically three to four years to complete because it is intellectually challenging and most people give up very early on. But if you study with me, you won't give up because I'm fun, 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 and I have a way of explaining these concepts to you uh, that will make sense. And that's always good, isn't it? Yes. Course in Miracles, darlings, because everything we want is on the other side of fear. And um, fear is exactly where we are right now. All right, that's that. I think we should move on now to a cryptic mystic. Yes, but I need a drink first. So hold on. Oh, mm. Ooh, that is just, mm, that's growing on me. It really is. All right, and now it is time for a cryptic mystic where we have our way with someone dead who like to pray. And today's holy roller is Ruth Montgomery. Who was this gal and why do we care? Well, Ruth Montgomery, born Ruth Schick Montgomery, was, uh, when was she born? I can't remember. No, 1912. 1912 in Illinois. Now, you know of her because of all the books that she's written, and that is the best way to get to know her is through her books. But 
when she was a young woman, she went to Baylor University while she was working for the Waco News Tribune. Then she graduated from Purdue in 1934, and she was hired by the Louisville Herald Post to write for their newspaper. She was a newspaper woman. We know her as a psychic, but many people don't know how she started out. So, so she's doing this newspaper stuff. 1943, she switches jobs again and becomes the first woman to work at the New York Daily News. That's in Washington, D.C. There she married a chap called Robert Montgomery. Um, and she kept in touch with him after he died from heart disease um, until her death, which was June the 10th, 2001. So Ruth comes to Washington. She's on this long uprise in her journalism career. And she was very well liked, really. Um, she was the only woman among the 12 press members invited to attend the Franklin D. Roosevelt's uh, funeral. So that's really something. I mean, we're talking at a time where there was a lot of pushback with regard to women going into the workplace. Um, and she wrote in her career for various associations. She wrote the Hearst Headlines and the United Press International. Uh, 1950, she was voted president of the Women's National Press Club. She went to Russia in 1959 with Vice President, then Vice President Richard Nixon. Um, through the span of her career, she worked with six presidents, and that's just through her journalism career. Back to 1952 for a minute, um, her journalism was winding down a little bit, and she started writing columns about a very famous psychic who we, we all know, her name was Jean Dixon. So Ruth started to write books about her, um, and she kept covering national news on Capitol Hill and, you know, going overseas to other countries. Uh, interesting woman, by the way, I just want to stop for a minute. Jean Dixon, um, somebody I think I'm going to feature later on. Um, sorry, that was just a little aside going on in my head. Anyway, when Ruth started dabbling in all of the psychic stuff, uh, she became a bit of a celebrity, and that was in the 60s and 70s, and she was quite, well, she was quite accurate, apparently. Um, people got her on talk shows, um, so her name was then in every family's home, and people genuinely valued her opinion. They wanted to know what she had to say. Uh, some people even thought of her as a prophet, I mean, not like Jesus, obviously, but a prophet along the lines of um, Michel de Nostradamus, uh, Nostradamus. And she gave out many prophecies about earth shifting and uh, presidential candidates and whatever. Um, she also told people that you can't really predict the future. It is a snapshot of potential because we do have free will. And destiny will change because of the will of man. Um, you know, she had a lot of controversial thoughts. Uh, you know, she knew that she was here on Earth to give information to mankind. Um, you know, she talked about soul contracts. She talked about spirit guides. She talked about all these things that were relatively new, especially to armchair America. She believed in reincarnation. Uh, it is said that she thought that she was related to Lazarus, you know, the Lazarus in Jesus' time. 
And she talked a lot about birthmarks being signs of injuries in past lives. She talked about karma. Uh, and at the time that she talked about these things, these things were not talked about in polite society. So as much as she was accepted and loved and liked, there was also a lot of heated discussion on all sides of the debates uh, with any issues that she brought up. Um, the book that launched her career, I believe, is called Once There Was a Nun. Um, Mary McCarran's Years as Sister Mary Mercy. That was the book that launched Ruth's writing career. And that was 1962. And I think she liked writing about famous people. Um, Mrs. LBJ was a book about being the wife of President Lyndon Johnson. And Ruth wrote that in 1964. And she tells the story of Mrs. Johnson and her role as the first lady. And she wrote of her experiences with the president and how things that uh, Mrs. Johnson believed in and how they impacted her husband's decisions in office. And this wasn't the first book to provide readers with a look into private communications between important people but it was very well received, it was very well written. Ruth wrote the biography of her role model, the psychic Jean Dixon in 1965 and called it a gift of prophecy. By the way, if you don't know Jean Dixon, she was the lady who warned John F. Kennedy not to go to Dallas on that fateful day. Um, Anyway, Ruth's book, that book was an instant hit, became a bestseller, uh, and then she sort of changed her career from author to psychic um, as she learned more and more and more uh, and developed her psychic abilities. So I'm just going to let you look at her book list um, and just read through them, read through all of them. I think you'll find some very interesting stuff, some early gems that have been overlooked in favor of all of our new, new age models today. Now, I believe Ruth Montgomery was the inspiration for a Van Halen song. <laughs> um, Van Halen was, a, was an 80s band, were they? Um, 1985, the song called Love Walks In, Love Walks In. Um, by Van Halen. So we might want to go and listen to that song at some point. Uh, I, I think I can remember the last two verses. Uh, Where silence speaks as loud as war, earth returns to what it was before. And then you feel a sense of change. Nothing feels the same. All your dreams are strange. Love comes walking in. Some kind of alien reach for the opening, then simply pulls a string and love comes walking in. Interesting stuff. So Ruth Montgomery, uh, where would you start with her books? I don't know. Uh, why don't you go to Strangers Among Us? Strangers Among Us, it's about walk-ins. Very interesting book. Then follow it up with A World Beyond 1985, which has messages from beyond the grave. Aliens Among Us, which I think was 1986, that's actually a good one because it's not just about aliens, but it's about the government covering them up. And she believed that Steve Jobs was an alien and he came here to give his superior knowledge and jumpstart our technology. Anyway, Ruth Montgomery, our cryptic mystic today. 
Now, my darlings, what shall we do next? I think this is what we'll do. We'll do a little pat of poetry. Yes, folks, after a hard day's shamaning, I like nothing better than coming home, putting my feet up, having a nice cup of tea or a small drinky poo, I do love a drinky poo, and writing very silly, but occasionally brilliant, non-peer-reviewed poetry. And today's offering is titled, Charlie Was a Medium. And I want to dedicate this to a very nice old guy I knew back in the UK, whose name was Charlie. And he was actually a tool and dye worker. But on the weekends, just by donation, and you didn't even have to pay him if you didn't have money, um, on the weekends, he would connect people who had lost people on the other side. And he did this very cheerfully and very lovingly. And he was just a nice old geezer, a nice old codger. So I'm going to have a drink to Charlie. Charlie, God bless you. And I wrote this about you. So here we go. Me, 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 me. Charlie was a medium by Arnie Abedissian. Thank you very much. Charlie was a medium. Most of his friends were dead. The one still alive thought Charlie was strange in the head. But Charlie didn't mind much. He knew it frightened people. A frightened mind can't handle truth. It just bleats with the other sheeple. Now Charlie had a special gift and a solid reputation. On weekends, folks lined up to see him from all across the nation. I've lost my precious wife, said one. Oh, how I miss her dearly. Charlie smiled and with soothing words described the wife quite clearly. Don't grieve, she says, you'll be just fine. I've left some dinners in the freezer. Defrost one hour and bake for half. You'll be okay, my lovely old geezer. That's what she called me. The man cried out, I'm her geezer and she thinks I'm lovely. I know, said Charlie. She's right here. She's floating right above me. We've lost our Auntie Ethel. A family cried out in despair. We were on holiday in Mallorca when she disappeared into thin air. <laughs> oh, she's not dead, said Charlie. I think she's pulled a fast one. That handsome waiter at your hotel. Ethel's run off with the local dog one. My doggy died, a child cried. His name was Dickie Devon. Don't worry, Charlie answered sweetly. He is safe in doggy heaven. He watched last night as you filled his bowl. And you asked him to come home. His body is gone, but he promised this. He will never forget you or the love he was shown. Charlie was a medium. He could speak with the deceased. His voice of sweet compassion gave many people peace. Isn't that lovely, even if I say so myself? <laughs> I'm very fond of my poetry, to be honest, because I don't take it seriously. And it's all very, very silly. And I wish we would take our lives a little bit 
a little bit less seriously. Focus on the important things, which is divine alignment, and just have a little bit more fun. All right. Well, thank you for, for, for listening to all that. Let me have a little sip of my drinky poo. Mm. Okay. You know what we haven't had for a long time? We haven't, well, common sense is one, of course. But on the show, we haven't had the wizard's gizzard. It's been a while, so let's get back to having the wizard's gizzard. Does it get a kazoo? <laughs> I think I need a new kazoo. All right. What is a wizard gizzard? A wizard's gizzard is a spiritual ritual that you can make habitual. And this one is called, Who Put That Idea In My Head? Darlings, if we don't own our minds, someone else will. Look around you if you doubt me. Our brains are prime real estate for the perceptual engineers of this world. When I say perceptual engineer, peeps think of the very bad guys of the cabal. And of course, they're certainly at the root of it. But mind control has many forms. One that's overlooked, but is a very good example, is advertising. You go to your local supermarket to buy a bottle of your favorite toilet cleaner, as one does. As you approach the aisle where your cleaning product is located, you see a giant end cap stuck to the gills with a new toilet cleaner in garish neon color. New splasho your arso. One splish will wipe away a week's worth of piss. Splasho your arso in the new easy-to-pour biodegradable bottle. And folks, for this week only, buy two, get two free. That's better than BOGO. It's BOTO, BOTOFO. So you see all this, and your mind goes, well... I wonder if this actually is better than my old brand. I've been using Bottoms Up Cleaner for years now. Maybe it's time for a change. And if I buy two, I get two free. If I like it, that's a good deal. But what if you don't like it? The rational mind chimes in. Then you'll have four bottles of an inferior product which you won't use, but you won't throw out either because you paid for it, even though you bought it at Boto Botofo rates. Who's the arso now, says the rational mind. And that, my darlings, that is when you stop the noise in your head. And you go ahead and you buy a bottle of your regular toilet cleaner. And should you wish to try Splasho Your Arso at a later date, you can buy one bottle if, if and when they reduce the price or make a smaller sample bottle. Okay? A lazy mind, an easily influenced mind, a mind not centered in spirit. These are gifts for the cabal. These are gifts for the bad guys. 
Advertising wants your money. Don't let them steal your mind. Don't let people walk through your precious minds with their dirty feet. Because, my darlings, reality exists only in the human mind. Hmm, fascinating, yes? Yes. Watch out for those bargains and watch out for those coupons. We clip coupons at home, but we really clip them for the stuff we already use. We shall not be tempted to use Splasho your Arso just because it's on discount. Well, consider yourself lectured on that. And my darlings, oh my gosh, how does this happen? It's almost time to say goodbye. I need to finish this drink because I'm not allowed to end the show until my drink is gone. And this was a rather large drink, by the way. Ha <laughs> ha, hurrah for me. Ooh. Hang on, darlings, I'm getting there. Hang on. Mm. Oh my gosh, that was so refreshing. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm feeling the alcohol now. And that's good because it's almost time to say goodbye. Darlings, I love you all. Mwah, mwah. I hope you enjoyed this week's show as much as I enjoyed recording it. Because each and every time I do one of these, I have a blast. Today's real life cocktail was yummy yummy, and it was a variation on a bullseye, which I have decided to rename End the Fed and Dismantle the IRS. And here's how you make it you take an ounce or a bit more of good brandy. I've got some Hennessy today. You take two ounces or so of good hard cider, not the sweet, sicky stuff. I'm using Strongbow from the UK. And you need one large or round cube of ice, one of those supersized ones. So get yourself an eight ounce highball glass. Put the ice cube in it. Slowly pour the brandy on it, then the cider, and then top it up with good ginger ale. And good ginger ale is either the Q brand, nothing to do with the Anons, it's just Q, or Fever Tree. The cheaper ginger ales don't taste like ginger. Stay away from them. Sip it slowly. Imagine the bliss of keeping your entire paycheck while the bad guys rot in Gitmo. <laughs> now, remember, folks, cocktails are great. Yes, they are. But only if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie, Mad Sharman Avidician. This was a Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, hold the line, don't argue with idiots, and above all, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to the Metaphysical Martini with Ani Avdisian, the Mad Shaman, a production of CosmicReality.com.